Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. Peacemakers, welcome to Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 181. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorina, live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream, you know. We're all out here just, you know, trying to keep the peace as we are here for another Sixers Saturday. Just to let everybody know, as we record this live here on Saturday afternoon, your Philadelphia 76ers are the only undefeated team in the NBA, and we're just trying to keep the peace. Uh, Let's dive into the news that has been circulating for the past few days. Joel Embiid absolutely bully-balling Carl Anthony Towns and Ben Simmons making him tap. I mean, I don't know. I like Embiid was getting the better of the matchup. Towns wasn't having a bad night. I'm honestly not sure what even set because Towns to me was the uh, the aggressor and all this. Um, you know, I still like. I don't know how we don't get a clear angle. Still, I feel like every like there's a thousand cameras in stadiums now. I don't know how every single shot was like just barely getting in. But to me, it seemed like Towns instigated. Towns actually swings at Embiid too. Um, but they like just kind of wrap each other up. So the narrative that like Towns somehow like I don't know like owns Embiid is like pretty ridiculous, especially when you consider they were getting blown out at that point. Um, and he doesn't beat Embiid. And I mean, like I don't know. I, I don't know where that narrative has come from. From I guess like the kind of general NBA fan perspective. Um, yeah, I mean it was it was weird because again, like it's not like you know. We know that there's definitely like a little bit between him and Cat. We've seen that before. It's not like on like Andre Drummond levels, you know, where it's like very openly like Embiid is like dominates Drummond and like he makes a point. Um, so I don't know. That's a little strange. Yeah, it even gets weirder because Ben and Cat have a, a good relationship. <laughs> I remember a few years ago, PUBG buddies. Yeah, like uh, people got really upset with Ben Simmons because he was playing. He was like streaming Call of Duty with Carl Anthony Towns, and Towns was like, "Hey, like I gotta go to bed. You know, we got a game tomorrow." And he's like, "Who are you playing? The Hawks? Like you need to go to bed." You for have that. plenty of time. Yeah, like. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ben. Ben was, I think, legitimately was the peacemaker. Like I know it looks like he. Uh, Looks like he was choking him out, and it's funnier to think of it that way. But I think Ben legitimately was there, like trying to just like keep him on the ground and stop him from like you know getting himself in trouble. Because I think they are boys, and I, I think Ben g- genuinely did not want Towns like getting in any more like trouble, and obviously you know also backing up Embiid. So um, weird moment, like I said, just because I get like. I don't know. The, I, the Wolves are a team that, like, to me, are just incredibly soft. In fact, I think the fans are even more soft. That entire part of the country is soft. Get their feeling, feelings hurt very, very much. Um, 
I think it's very fitting that they did the exact like same as the Vikings fans routine, and you know they visited all the same landmarks and got just equally as humiliated. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, it was strange, very strange. And then you know, come to find out, both of them suspended for two games, which is probably fair, like all things considered. Um, you know, Embiid. I didn't. The only thing I didn't like about it was Embiid got a little too heated it seemed like <laughs> at like four in the morning i like i don't know like it's weird because both of them post game were kind of just like yeah you know like it's whatever you know things kind of boiled over but you know we're gonna move past it and then like you know as the night went on both of them like and bead starts it with his like pretty classic caption he had the same thing last year with like the third stringers against the wolves um and then cat follows it up with his like raised bylines thing and Embiid like takes it a further step like just throws it into the deep end with a cinder block attached to it like jesus like really opened up on him and it's like okay like <laughs> everyone needs to go to bed <laughs> like that's that's the point i got to yeah it was uh a little wild uh with the social medias and of course uh the one and only rachel nichols also chimed in because she did her uh sit down with joel Embiid before the season and uh you know joel talked about how he was done trash talking, and uh, Rachel Nichols posted the the video here that uh, you know kind of detailed that. And then just you know a couple days later, Joel is a uh, full blown just dragging Carl Anthony Towns through the mud. But this was that video. Trash talk when you guys meet up again. Well, I'm not. I'm, I don't think. I don't think I'm talking trash this year. So I've heard that from you before. Last year, in the middle of the season, you were like, "I'm done. I'm not talking trash anymore. I'm not doing any more on social media." And that lasted like a month, Joel. I'm a change man. I'm, uh-huh. not, I'm not doing all of that this year. I'm, I changed. <laughs> Can I play this tape for you later in the season? We gonna see. <laughs> Maybe. Didn't take very long. Didn't take too long. <laughs> Two weeks into the season. And, of course, the whole time he's laughing. So you kind of know that he wasn't really done. Um, you know, he's got his, he's got Carl Anthony Towns' parents, you know, flipping him off as he leaves the arena. And yes. Tough scene. Mother Cat was very upset with, uh, with MB. Yeah. Which, again, like, you know, I get it. She's a parent, obviously. Like, it's different circumstances. But, like, if you had to, I'm sorry, but if you had to pick anyone who escalated that situation, it was Cat. And also, like, everyone's, like, selling it like it was this huge main event. Like, they literally just wrapped each other up and just yeah. fell on the ground. Like, the it really wasn't even... The biggest thing that happened was Embiid kind of gouged Cat's eye. But... Which was by accident. Yeah. It's like, people are posting that as, like, Embiid did that intentionally. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, it was, like, two dudes, like, some, both of them got pissed off and just wrapped each other up. Like, I, I've seen bar fights worse. My dad <laughs> called it a slap fight. It wasn't even. Like, <laughs> like, I think the only thing that you could even say was, like... Like cat like kind of half swings at Embiid like right at the beginning and then they wrap each other up and it's like no big deal honestly I I don't know it it was like one of those things that just because it's like the first big moment of the NBA season like yeah. entertainment wise and like the NBA like stories like this just run wild that I think it caught a lot more legs and you know it was just part of like one part of what ended up being a kind of crazy night because you also had the Steph Curry injury uh, later on and I don't know I like it, it's. I'll say this, like, I love Embiid, and stuff like that is why I love Embiid, like, and I think why he's so well, like, loved. Like, everyone everyone enjoys him, and he's entertaining, but um, I'll also say, like, we do need to see a little more maturity from him, um, because, you know, he's going to miss Portland tonight and Phoenix on, on Monday, and 
we definitely need him for Portland because he's he's the biggest plus matchup you could have in this with a front court like theirs that's uh, really weak and you know it's similar to a Hawks game where I don't think we beat Atlanta without him and I think tonight you know if we lose to the Trailblazers I think some of that will be on Embiid and I know like again you can't really blame him too much for this incident but um, you know he just needs to be smarter and needs to be a little bit more mature and again I know that we love these moments and they're entertaining but at the end of the day you know, he is the crown jewel and we already know we're gonna, not going to have him for 20 plus games pretty much every season in his career to have two games that are very avoidable in terms of, uh, you know, him being available. I, you know, I, I think he just needs to be a little smarter. And the, some of the social media stuff was like, okay, like, you know, like it, it's funny. Like there is like an entertaining aspect to it. And it's like, that's like cool. And, and, and I think does endear himself to fans, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you legitimately want to be an MVP player, like, and I'm sorry, but MVP players don't do that. They just don't, you know, like they, they let the, the their play do the talking. And I know that that's Embiid's character and who he is. And he loves to trash talk and we love him for it. But I think he does need to dial it a little bit back because we can't afford to miss him outside of what will be load management and injuries down the line. Like we need him available for every game. Here's my like kind of devil's advocate with it. Uh, I totally agree about the Portland take because you're going to need them, and it's going to be very interesting to see what Brett's able to do uh, tonight to kind of maneuver this lineup without him. But my my take is that I feel like every Western Conference road trip we take, Embiid rests at least one of the games. So, I, you know, you kind of look at it, this is league-mandated rest, essentially, because I have a feeling he was going to miss at least one, if not two of these games, just to kind of have rest and, uh, you know, rest his body because that travel to the West Coast typically is that's what Brett does. He sits him uh, for at least one of those games, so he's going to miss two of them. Um, but that's how I kind of look at it is like, okay, this is, you know, just the league's way of having Brett insert some rest time for Joel now because he's suspended. Yeah, you know, and again, I don't want to like be like the party pooper and be like, oh, this is lame because it's not. It's funny and it's awesome. But at the same time, you know, like Embiid is teetering on like this uh, this kind of general attitude where it's like people know they can like like it or not. I think Cat did get a little in his head. Uh, like I, I, that response that he had with the, the screenshot of his comment, oh, yeah. which also, by the way, Towns's uh, social media manager said Joel himself deleted which I think is actually true because the screenshot is one second after he posted it and like he screenshotted it a second after he posted the comment and then he says that it was deleted or whatever or hidden yeah like that's a little strange I didn't even pick up on that yeah and well me I didn't even notice it was a second and I, I, I just saw a post that said yeah Towns's social media manager said Joel was the one that deleted the comment um which I don't know like that response is much different than what we've seen Joel in the past. Again, you like Very. you look at the drum and stuff, like that's always been like again, definitely more just kind of like general and trash even, talk. Like it was even more different than Joel's Instagram caption yeah. that he posted. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know. You know, like you don't want to develop this reputation of A, a guy that, you know, could come across as just kind of being like not a sore loser because he he dominates towns and it was a blowout game. But you know like a guy whose head you can get in and a guy who you can send, like, just 
someone you don't care about out like a goon and get him out of the game you know either mentally or or physically (laughs) get him ejected like that's just that's not the type of uh player you want to like come across as not that i think Embiid is that but i do think like you need to be careful again with these times of things because again you know if we want to be a championship team like this type of stuff is like kind of the thing you need to cut out that's where i think some of the suspension for joel came in from was you know the that social media post because in all honesty like we said joel didn't really do anything in that fight he was kind of more or less defending himself because from all accounts that we saw from the videos carl anthony towns initiated everything um so I think part of Joel's suspension came from the the social media factor of it. Yeah, probably. I you know, it I just think you know they were both always going to get the same suspension because I think it was you know both of them kind of did the same things there. Um, thought it was incredibly soft from Towns. I think it's absolutely hilarious on that respect that like he for some reason thinks he like owns Embiid. Uh, ben Simmons has more playoff triple doubles than he has playoff <laughs> wins, which is I don't know like. It's not like Towns is a rookie. Like you've been in the league a long time. Um, embarrassing. Uh, like I, I think it's it's hilarious now. Like this is again a, just another Minnesota team that like yep. cre- has this like just absolute small mentality and mental fragility that can clearly be exploited. Um, it's hilarious. It's hilarious watching Cat have to drag Andrew Wiggins around uh, like he's like a paralyzed leg for him. It's just. <laughs> it's it, that part of it is very funny to me that it was towns and um you know like the whole jimmy butler thing too was like maybe a little over we the were top, waiting whatever. for it and then jimmy gets involved yeah. uh when when the heat have their game which was hilarious and he was like joel's my guy and uh you know we knew that they had that kind of relationship that kind of friendship and that uh you know a lot of people speculated Joel was probably a little bit upset with some of the free agency moves just because of the friendships he had with guys like Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick, who looked like an absolute blockhead for Halloween, literally. <laughs> um, but, you know, from the, the entertainment standpoint, this is what the league wants. But then again, you also don't want to go over the top, like you said, with the, the one Instagram comment, like, the captions are hilarious because yeah. he ties in a whole bunch of different puns and stuff like that. You know, the the location was the Broad Street Bullies Pub and uh, the the first picture he posts. I don't know if you saw Joshua Harris is in the background of the picture, so it's kind of like, oh, you're paying my fine or whatever. Um, but you know, those are funny. But I agree, it was a, a totally different kind of Embiid in that uh, that comment because. To me, that sounds like Embiid took his phone rather than yeah. a social media manager kind of thinking out puns with him to post on something. It was it was just a little over the top in the end. But, you know, by the way, great week. Like, still, like you said, 4-0, Portland tonight. It's going to be, like, again, without Embiid, it's a tough matchup. You make your piece with it. You hope, again, like, I, I, I just think he grows a little bit from this. Again, I, like, I don't want Embiid to, like, neuter himself and never be right. the outspoken guy that he is because, again, that's part of the reason we love him. I just think, you know... Part of the thing I was looking forward to most this year is that this team is probably going to have a little better leadership. And you saw that in Horford, who's just kind of like hands on his hips, like staring at everyone in the pile. And, and even, you know, postgame said, yeah, you know, like they're both young guys, they, they, but they need to learn to be better. And he's right. You know, mm-hmm. like he, at, at the end of the day, like both of those guys are supposed to be the leaders and best players on their team. And, you know, especially for Towns to like get kicked out of a game where you're down 20 plus pretty much from the moment tip off started. Um, 
you know, what does that say to the rest of your teammates now? You know, like you have no shot for the rest of this game. Um, so yeah, you know, without Embiid tonight, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle and, uh, we'll see how that goes. And another, uh, I saw one of my favorite replies though, was, uh, it, there's like this Aaron Baines account yes. on Twitter and said, yeah, Embiid didn't want to face Baines on one. <laughs> you know, it like <laughs> not even a BS. That's pretty true. <laughs> Embiid does not like playing Aaron Baines. So, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, other takes from the, uh, the eventful night that was, uh, Ben Simmons coming up to Joel and just saying, you know, I got your back after this yeah. whole offseason narrative of these guys don't like each other and yada, yada, yada. But I thought that was like, that's one of the things that kind of stuck out to me from the whole thing is Ben just literally going up to Joel and being like, yo, I got your back. Like, you know, it, it's small, but it's something to pay attention to because, you know, Ben gives a damn about winning. Joel gives a damn about winning. And if they're going to win, they got to be on the same page. So I thought that was pretty cool to see. And then uh, our boy Mike Scott, what a treasure! <laughs> he was. This was like I think his favorite moment of the season already. This might he be was his favorite moment of his career. He was like so clearly excited and upset that he wasn't on the court. And like, cause you know you can't run on the court when you're uh, on the bench. Cause right. That's that's like a big no no. Like you, unless you're a coach. Yeah, or the security team or whatever. Right. But yeah, they, they don't want players running on. You could tell Scott was like. Like, I should have been out there. As um, soon as Joel comes over, he's clapping him up, yeah. and he's like, that's what I'm fucking talking about. Yeah. And then you watch him watching the replay, and he's just like... It's like watching... It's like he was watching his son take his first steps. <laughs> like, looked, it's like... He was so moved. It was what so was great. Saying. And then uh, in his press conference, he's talking about, you know, you, you don't want to see that kind of stuff happen, but then, you know... And then he's like, nah, who am I kidding? I love that shit. And, like, it was it was hilarious. It was very on-brand for Mike Scott. And, you know, we all love Mike Scott here. Um, so it was absolutely hilarious. And then Mike Scott's post as well on uh, on Instagram. The location was UFC Philly. And uh, he, he was just in his glory. And uh, it was also hilarious. His agent on Twitter was like, really, Mike? And posted the, uh, the photo of them from his uh, basketball camp this summer where she's like, kind of like scolding mom looking at him and mike's like come on man yeah it was absolutely hilarious um did you also see mike scott go to uh terror behind the walls i did not oh man i can only imagine what that was like it was absolutely i'd be scared to scare mike scott man he's got reach you know like you don't like you scare a normal person their arms kind of go up and they're you know they get that like twitch response like like, so that's a big dude. I mean, all NBA players are big dudes. Like, I, I don't know that I'd want to scare Mike Scott. He might he might not mean to, but just might just <laughs> he was catch right. you with a quick one. I don't know. It was uh, with the Sixers, so the Sixers put the video out. It was him and his fiance, and uh, it was absolutely hilarious. I'll have to show it to you. But did you also see Franklin uh, jumping out of yes, the trash can? that was classic. Scaring everybody. Matisse is way too pure to be on this team. Yeah, he's... Um... Yeah, he, he like he, he's like just friends with all these guys because they're like in the neighborhood. Like any other circumstance, he wouldn't know any of them. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's interesting now. You know, like you said, last undefeated team in the NBA, and uh, try and keep the streak going. You know, like that's that's the hardest thing to do at this point is is just to continue to win because just stringing together you know five, six, seven games is is hard, um, especially now with like the West Coast trip. Portland's going to be a tough, tough matchup tonight, just because we know how good Portland is. We know that uh, on the perimeter, they're they're a really difficult team. But I think we saw some things against Atlanta, and obviously we won't have Embiid like we did for the Hawks. But 
think some of those like defensive works and and uh, matchups can uh, can benefit us in the same regard against Portland because I think not that they're identical teams but I, I do think there's some similarities in uh, just sort of play style and general like roster makeup so hopefully we see some of that um, you know from from the Sixers tonight and you know keep it keep it at five and zero because you know one of the big goals I think this season is you know, to put yourself in a position where you could have conceivably the number one seed in the East. And Bucks have already dropped two games. Um, and, you know, you, you do, and I think in the back of your mind, even though we're four or five games into the season, you, you want to keep that lead. You want to you wanna have that buffer for yourself. Um, I think we're all, we'd all be kidding ourselves if we said we didn't want to have the best record in the East or the best record in the NBA either, you know, like that's, that would be a really, really strong thing to have. So hopefully we keep it pushing. And yeah, we're going to miss Embiid for these two games. But you know, if you, I guess if you do look at it from like a load management perspective, it's whatever. Um, but we'll we'll see how the team gets on. It's a bummer we don't get to see uh, Embiid versus Hassan Whiteside. And- yeah, that's you know the the thing is it was going to be uh, a, another kind of <laughs> very interesting matchup. Um, yeah, it's going to be good though watching Hassan trying to deal with Horford and. You know, again, this is a front court from Portland that is riddled with injuries. You know, Nurkic still out, obviously, and um, even even at full health, I think is a, a front court that we match up very well with and, and can dominate, which is the case for pretty much every NBA team at this point. Um, so hopefully, yeah, some of that size and, and defense that we've seen so far this year comes to life in Portland, and you know, we'll see too. You know, how the offense looks because that was again, Minnesota was a, a little better, but still just. It's kind of Need more a, from Tobias. Yeah, and it's it's weird because we're we're kind of in a situation where it's like doing it just enough to get by offensively. I know it's weird to say after you just beat a team by like twenty five, but um, you know it it feels like we haven't really seen that like level yet that we want from them, and that we may never get because I don't think this offense is just ever going to be like even like a top eight World offense. Beater, yeah. yeah, so. We'll, we'll see how that gets on, um, especially against this trip, too, where you're going to play a mix of teams. You're playing some, you know, Phoenix, which right now kind of a scrappy team, but you'd expect to be able to beat. You're going to have Utah, like, you know, a very, like, stingy defensive team. You know, Portland tonight, which is a little more offensive. For, like, you're going to get a little bit of the gambit. Denver as well, like, a lot of interesting, interesting games, I think, both in terms of, like, We'll see where the offense is at. We'll definitely get the defense tested, I think, in mm-hmm. every game. Definitely. Um, and also just a little bit of, like, the mental fortitude to go on a trip like this after you start the season really positively and, you know, try and dominate, you know, teams on the road. Um, that's that's going to be, I, I think, a really interesting part of, of all this, too. I also think it's very interesting that with this suspension, the Sixers get a small little cap alleviation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also thought the tweet of the week was uh, somebody quote tweeted that tweet and said uh, Tobias has to square up next um, but I found that interesting because now they have granted it's a, a small number but it's, it's cap flexibility margins, that baby. they could totally need uh, at some point this season but uh, you know speaking of keeping the peace Matt we launched our uh, peacemaker like and you know too one of the best things uh, about this all too is the the peacemaker thing and like all the like the cult peacemaker stuff and it's like well that's weird because peacemakers are accurate outside of thirty feet like <laughs> those jokes were great like it, it 
a lot of good did come out Absolutely. of this in terms of like just content. Which we nice. uh, we launched our Peacemaker jerseys on our Design Tree storefront. You can go to designtree.com. That's DSGN Tree. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia. They are right in there for you. They're in white, gray, red, blue, black. You can rock it whatever style you want. Been selling a bunch of them recently. So uh, load up on them, as Brett Brown would say. And uh, use that promo code Hoodie Season H O O D I E S Z N, and you get fifteen dollars off your order of fifty dollars or more. We've got a ton of other designs on there as well. We got our Ben Simmons triple double machine, uh, you know, classic logo. All of our lacrosse stuff is on there. This morning, I was on Twitter and just saw that uh, Maryland men's lacrosse head coach went as Matt Rambo for uh, for Halloween and was wearing our shirt, our Chef Rambo shirt. So. Shout out to him, rocking the brand, and uh, you can get all of our stuff over on our Design Tree storefront. You can follow them on Twitter at DSGN Tree. They put in a ton of work. We got that shirt up at like ten thirty uh, the night of the fight, and uh, it was up there ready to go. So big props to them. They do a lot for us. So uh, get your Peacemaker merch and uh, rock it to your uh, next Sixers game you're attending, or rock it at home wherever you're going. Uh, use promo code hoodie season. Yeah, Ben Simmons turning into a Clint Eastwood, you know, just <laughs> dirty hairy of him. I don't know who saw that coming. I don't know. I, I was. I did not. I, that's a great nickname for him. The peacemaker in the process is just like, oh my god, that is that's like so good. It's such a good nickname, especially after you know last year where everyone was, uh, you know, uplifting Ben for the whole uh, egg boy thing yeah. and. The Peacemaker is a fantastic nickname for Ben. Um, so shout out to Ben Simmons for uh, the hashtag content. But we've got a... Uh, Weird Halloween mask, too, by the way. Yes. Like, a little... It was I'm a little a, uncomfortable. I'm the scary one today. <laughs> it was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, man. Ben Simmons. What a gem. But not only do we have Sixers basketball tonight, Matt, we've got Eagles football tomorrow against the Chicago Bears, who look like they're in a bunch of turmoil, like we mentioned on Wednesday. And uh, Eagles are getting healthy. That's a good sign. Deshaun Jackson, likely to play. Tim Jernigan, likely to play. Avante Maddox is playing and will replace Sidney Jones in the slot as the nickel corner. Maybe Howie did the right thing. Wow, weird. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. Weird that Howie Roseman might know more than your your local Twitter, your local Twitter man. Who knows? Good old Twitter Um, GMs. You know, uh, look, I, we'll see. But like this game, I think, like every game from here on out is uh, is pivotal to the season, just because I think you you sort of have an X amount of losses remaining at this point before. Yeah, of course, you're not going to be mathematically eliminated with the Eagles' record that they'll likely have till like you know, the last week, of course. But um, you know, it, like any loss you take from here is going to really, really make it a lot harder on yourself. And, um, yeah, it's just a good time to play Chicago because they've dropped three straight. Um, I don't think anyone could reasonably make any type of case for Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, the only thing that, that worries me about this team is the defense. And they travel well, too, by the way. Uh, it will almost be better to be playing in Chicago for lots of reasons. <laughs> just because, one, I think the crowd, the home crowd especially, um, would I think they might boo their <laughs> Chicago more than the, the Eagles will boo <laughs> Chicago. Um, but also, yeah, I think you'd have that just tenseness around the stadium because last time that happened, you had the double doink and all that disappointment and you know, the team spiraling. So it's actually 
probably better for Chicago that they're on the road because it's not as uh, unexpected to get booed like you do at home, like they've been. So we'll see. We'll see how it uh how it unfolds, at the, least on that. The aspect. only thing that could make this game better would be if it was a night game because the Eagles yesterday announced it is a blackout. They are rocking the black uniforms, one of my favorite uniforms in all of sports. Uh, but the injury report, the final injury report that came out uh, yesterday was uh, Nigel Bradham is ruled out and Jason Peters ruled out. Kind of wasn't expecting them back until after the bye anyway. Um Finney Curry, not injury-related, had a personal issue, so he did not participate in Friday's walkthrough. Uh, Jason Peters, you know, we'll see what happens with him after the bye. I'm not all too concerned. Sure, Andre Dillard's still learning and uh, has had his ups and downs, but I'd rather him get this experience now uh, because eventually he's going to be your starting left tackle of the future for hopefully the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, But Deshaun Jackson, a limited practice. He was very, you know, tiptoey around how the injury happened and you know the recovery process and everything but he did say the plan is to play uh on sunday tim jernigan is a great sign with the foot injury seems like he's been out forever uh he is questionable andrew sandejo with a groin injury was limited on friday he is questionable but everybody else in full brandon brooks had an illness he is full ready to go playing at an all pro level this year which is absurd after coming off that Achilles injury. Avante Maddox has not played since that Packers game when he was carted off the field. He practiced in full. Great sign. Miles Sanders with the shoulder injury last week practiced in full. Beautiful sign, especially since, you know, the way he's been playing the past few weeks. He is a pivotal part of this offense. I know a lot of Eagles fans are going to moan and groan, but Darren Sproles practiced in full. We hope Doug Peterson just uses him on kickoffs because – the one-two punch of Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders has been working. Don't go away from what's working. And uh, Josh Sweat with his ankle, he did leave the field during that Buffalo game, according to our buddy uh, Connor Miles, who was at the game. He saw him go into the locker room, but uh, he practiced in full. And Doug said that uh, the plan is to get Jannard Avery integrated into the defense in some aspect this week against the Bears. So that's a good sign that he's been able to pick up on the defense as quickly as he has uh, since he was acquired on Tuesday. Uh, this team is, you know, that's essentially like getting a bunch of guys at the trade deadline like we talked about on Wednesday. It was just a matter of when they were going to be back and to see them back, you know, one week before the bye and then they get a whole week to get healthy before, you know, two tough games at home against the Patriots and Seahawks who just acquired Josh Gordon off of waivers. Uh, absolutely brutal. He fell to... 28 out of 32 on the waiver priority list. But uh, this is a very good sign, especially when it comes to Deshaun Jackson being on the field and Tim Jernigan to kind of give this defensive line some rotational depth. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is the part of the season where, you know, you, you want to be getting guys back from injury rather than seeing a, a full injury list. And, you know, you could also make the case that some of the Eagles' struggles have been because of, of this, this long list that we've had all season. And, um, yeah, making sure that everyone's healthy as you get into a really, really pivotal point in your season is is crucial and could be definitely the boost we're looking for. Um, Going to need all hands on deck for, for Chicago. And then, you know, you also get that bye week to get everyone kind of, you know, first game out, you don't expect them to be right at it again and probably have some soreness, maybe a little little extra, you know, tenderness and get that extra week off now. And I tell you what, the Patriots going to be tough. 
Seattle's making a very strong case to uh, to have another Super Bowl run. Just if you look at, especially you know, mid-season acquisitions, that they're going for it, and um, that should tell you about kind of their confidence in their team. And can't exactly blame them either. I don't think it's misplaced. Definitely. And uh, also, big happy birthday shout out to Jordan Howard. Hopefully, the Eagles just continue to use him because uh, Eagles enemies that we have here on the network launched yesterday with Lauren Cox. Covers the Bears for uh, USA Today, uh, Bears Wire, and he does the Locked On Bears podcast as well. He said this Bears defense, you can run on them. The past few weeks, they've had you know 100-yard rushers against them, most notably Latavius Murray from the Saints. Austin Eckler was able to uh, take advantage of this Bears defense as well. Melvin Gordon scored a touchdown on them in the red zone. So uh, this Bears defense can be run on, and a lot of people talk about this Bears defense being one of those vaunted top five uh, defenses in the league, that's their weak point that you can kind of attack is run the ball down their throats. And sure, people talk about how the NFL is a a passing league. You know, you talk about running the ball too much, yada, yada, yada. You got to do what it takes to win. And if you can run on this team more successfully than you can pass on them, do what works. And, you know, the past couple weeks, this running game for this Eagles team has been the bread and butter to make this offense click. Yeah, I mean, you've seen the Eagles go to the run uh, to to put them over the line, and yeah, you know, I think it's a just a, a case by case matchup. I, I I don't think you trust fully, not necessarily Carson, but I think kind of the uh, the receiving core to have a great game. So, yeah, Sanders is playing well. You know, he's he's doing doing very very good for himself, and Jordan Howard, I think, has had. A good year. He hasn't been amazing, but I don't think he's been bad. I think he's had, he's had a he's had a really quality year. Yeah, yeah he, he, he's above average right now, I which forget, is good. I forget the overall stats, but he's the first running back to do it since Lashawn McCoy threw the first X number of games for the Eagles, which I think says more about who we've had since yes, Shady it than does. anything. <laughs> um, but it also goes to show you, like I think Jordan Howard overall is one of the most underrated and underappreciated running backs in the NFL. I mean, it goes by even what we got him for. You know, that was really low value for the guy who you might say could still help out the Bears. And so. at this point, he is, since 2016, the second, like, he's rushed for the second most amount of yards in the NFL, only behind Ezekiel Elliott. Like, that's nothing to sneeze at. No, it's not. Past and- Todd Gurley, because Gurley's not being used the way uh, he has been in the past, but... Jordan Howard, and he's only 24 years old, or 25 today now, so he's still relatively young. Would you extend Jordan Howard? Because that's kind of been the the rally cry kind of argument on Twitter recently is, you know, what do you do with Jordan Howard at this point with how successful he's been? Uh, he is a free agent at the end of the year. I think I would extend him, give him a three-year contract, and, you know, see what works. He'd still be extremely young for a running back. And then if you want to move on from him at that point, I think this one-two punch that uh, Doug Peterson's been employing and Deuce Staley's been able to, you know, get out of Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders works because after this year, you'll only have Miles Sanders on this roster as a running back because I'm pretty sure Corey Clement's a free agent, hasn't really played, he's still injured. Uh, I think he's on injured reserve, actually. And then uh, Darren Sproles, we'd anticipate, would be retiring after the year. So it would be just Miles Sanders. So I don't see any reason why you shouldn't just give Jordan Howard like a, a reasonable three-year contract to, to stay put. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of the decision on Howard will also, uh, in a sense, reflect how the team feels about Miles Sanders, too. Agreed. You know, like, uh, if they decide not to renew, I think that's putting a ton of faith in him. I, I would renew, like you said, though, just because I think you, 
you're giving yourself stability at a position that you haven't had uh, in, in recent years. And yes, running backs we know are you know lower on on value than probably they've ever been in the NFL, just because you know that you could draft someone in the fourth, fifth round that uh, that can be just as effective as a top five pick. Um, so that that that'll be interesting how kind of how he evaluates that position and a position again he hasn't really cared for much at all and I mean you have to say it's worked you know like as as much as we'd like to have a solid running game we won a Super Bowl really without it you know we I know we added a Jai that season but it's not like a position that I think you absolutely need and especially you know the Eagles seem to prefer to build through the lines you know offensive and defensive Mm -hmm. and yeah if that's the priority that's the priority but yeah, I wouldn't mind to see Jordan Howard back, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, when we look at this Eagles defense, too, that has relatively been pretty good. You know, sure, they've had their slip-ups with, you know, the secondary and everything in the, in the Cowboys and the Vikings game, but overall, I'd say this Eagles defense, for what is presented to us and what is here, they've been relatively, you know, solid. They haven't been great, they haven't been bad, um, but to get Tim Jernigan back, I think, is going to be a huge help for somebody like Fletcher Cox to go after the quarterback this Bears offensive line is really banged up. Their best offensive lineman is out for the season in Kyle Long. He's probably never going to suit up for the Bears again. Um, but this this is the, the opportunity, too, that this Eagles defensive line has to create pressure against you know this Bears offensive line and get to Mitchell Trubisky, get him uncomfortable, and uh, you know just kind of assert your dominance to take a lot of pressure off the secondary, too. You know, this is only game two back of having all the guys back game one of actually having everybody back now that Avante Maddox is healthy. Um, so it's, it, it, I think it's imperative to have this pass rush be at, you know, close to peak performance as possible and really create havoc against Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, this is, this is a quarterback that I think um, you would never want to have to root for, you know, if you put, if you put <laughs> money on the bears, you would not, like, I don't know why you would in the first place, honestly, unless they're playing the dolphins. Um, Trubisky's not good. And I, I think, you know, again, you put any kind of pressure on him and he can't make a pass 10 yards down the field. And as I say this, he's probably going to go for like 340 and four touchdowns. You know? But yeah, I think it's it's a good matchup in that sense in that you're not going to really face too many worse quarterbacks except when you play, you know, like the Dolphins later this year and whoever, whatever corpse they throw out and probably even the Redskins. Um so I, I guess that's that's the bonus here. Is he's he's a bad quarterback, and um, they do still have dangerous skill position players. You know, Allen Robinson's had a great season, and Tariq Cohen's pretty much a, a perennial threat. Um, and yeah, d- defensively, that's that's always going to be an issue. But I, I, this is again, you know, we made the comparison about like Minnesota. Like that's a team that if you're ten points behind is really difficult. But if you get ten points ahead of this team, they like. Chicago taps out at like 17, 21 points. Like that's that's kind of their offensive limit, really, um, in a in a, like a more tight game. So you know, and I, I do trust the Eagles to to get up to around that mark and and should be you know five and four going into the bye, which is good. Yeah, it's a big positive. And you know, you look at this Bears team; they've only put up over twenty five points once yeah. this entire season, and they got to twenty five points against the uh, the New Orleans Saints. So. Every other game, and that was a, a lot of defensive scoring as yes. well. Um, and that was the Saints were also missing Kamara that game. Uh, that was the was that the last Bridgewater game or second to last? That was the last Bridgewater. Last game. Bridgewater, like you know, um, I think Jared Cook was out that game. Like that was you know 
not even a full strength Saints team. That was also at home. Yeah, you look <laughs> at this Bears schedule. They opened the season against the Packers, scored three points. Uh, then they went and played Denver, scored 16 points in that high altitude where typically you can put up some points a little bit if you can uh, sling the rock, but this Bears team can't. Uh, and then they had their their one thirty point game of the season where they beat Washington thirty one to fifteen. They got uh, sixteen points against the Vikings in a win. Uh, that was when the Vikings were in just full blown turmoil mode. And then they lost twenty four twenty one to the Raiders, lost thirty six twenty five to the Saints, and then last week lost seventeen sixteen because of a missed field goal to the Los Angeles Chargers. So- Chargers deserve a break though because that was like. <laughs> The Chargers are the best team in the entire league at just like losing games. Like yes. they every week it's something interesting they're, and new that they in a way to lose that you've just never really seen before. Their brand is under three minutes and down by one score. You know, a lot of like fans like will always say like, "Oh, you know, if we got really screwed in this game," or like, "Oh, you know, we should have won that game." And like normally you roll your eyes at it. Chargers fans, not that there are really many, <laughs> I legitimately believe when they're like, "Yeah, you know, we should be like." We should have been like eleven and five this season. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you honestly should have been. <laughs> like and that's been like the past five years for the Chargers. Like they they absolutely should perennially be like a twelve and four team, but they just they just and it's not even like okay, so some of the games they do blow, but like you know, the this season you had like the Eckler fumble like right at the one and then like the late game and it's like it's just every week it's like wow. And they they've always like struggled with uh Again, kind of ironically, kicking, you know. So, yeah, um, God bless the Chargers. Absolutely. Um, But, yeah, like we said, this Bears team, they don't put up points. So, if the defense comes to play, can kind of shut down Mitchell Trubisky. Their running game has not been consistent like I think they thought it would have been. You know, they drafted, uh, you know, David Montgomery and hasn't really lived up to the expectations. You see there, that's the thing, too. And then they have Tariq Cohen, and then situationally, they'll use Mike Davis, but they're not really running the ball, and they're relying on Mitchell Trubisky to just throw, 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 and he's not that good. You know, this is a guy that the Bears traded up one spot for. It will never, never forget that. I was at that draft. You know, that was the the draft when it was in Philly, and when that happened, people were like, what the hell? Like, they didn't know what was going on. And then they announced that they were – you know, picking Mitchell Trubisky and people like their their heads rolled. It was absurd because then you go look, they they moved up and they also passed on guys like Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in that same draft that were drafted just a few picks down the line. Matt Nagy has to like hate his life. Oh, that's uh, that's Coach of the Year Matt Nagy as well. By the way, Don't, very uh, true. Do not forget that who is like com- who's been completely like thrown to the wolves by bears fans like they want him out they want him gone uh but he goes from coaching in kansas city with patrick mahomes loving life to then going to chicago to having to coach mitchell trubisky tough scene it is a tough scene as they say but you know what who cares (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah like you know they just got to be able to create pressure and i think this defense is capable now that they've got a guy like tim jernigan back Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox had fantastic games against Buffalo. Uh, we'll see what we get from Jannard Avery uh, playing defensive end, moving from linebacker where he was in a 3-4 uh, in Cleveland. And then, you know, just the rotation. Josh Sweat looks healthy. And uh, I think this this defensive line and this pass rush is going to be the X factor of this game to kind of just really lock down or, you know, 
bear down on uh, Chicago on Sunday to, to really come away with a big-time win going into the bye and make people feel a lot better about this Eagles team. And I think they're capable of doing that. And if you, you get to you get to five and four, I think you're it sounds stupid. You're in a much better position at five and four than you are at four and five. Four and five, I think. Is rough. You know, especially with New England and Seattle as your next two. Which you know, they're at home. So that's the good part mm-hmm. at least. You know, like I think you Especially could, for both of those teams. Yeah, like that those are both places you really like do not want to be traveling to. Um so yeah, that that's that's the positive part. Uh, part for the Eagles right now. And the best part is after the bye week, Matt, they get on a plane one time. Yeah. And that's to go down to Miami. Which I mean, in December is like a uh, vacation. Right Everything now. else is either at home or a bus ride because you'll either go to North Jersey or you'll go to Maryland to uh, take on Washington. That last game of the season. Dallas comes here. The Patriots come here. Like we said, Seattle comes here. Um, I think that's a, a big, very <coughs> underlooked part of this schedule too is that the travel on these guys bodies is going to be a lot less strenuous than it was in the first half yeah which is uh a, like you said a big pot especially this whole month you know with with all the the travel and the road games um I, I do think that also has to play some kind of effect uh in what we've seen performance wise yeah so it'll be a, a very interesting game a blackout game kind of reminds me uh you know vibes i get from when the Eagles played Denver in 2017, a day game where they're wearing the black uniforms, kind of a team that was, uh, you know, coming into the season very hyped up, and then Denver fell flat on their faces against the Eagles. If we can get that kind of performance, that'd be absolutely great. I'd Hopefully, love to see uh, uh, another statement game. That'd be good. I'd love to see touchdown celebrations in the end zone from the defense, the offense, everybody in between. Uh, I don't know if you saw that tweet. Somebody saying that they wish that. Uh, the team celebrations in the end zone, like the the photo shoot type things, would just disappear. I was like, okay, fun police. Yeah, like, like those are up. great. They're fantastic, especially it's, when it's the defense because they don't get to celebrate exactly. all that much. It's not like you know, and they just flat out flex for yeah. absolutely any camera that is in their face. So, fun police go away. But uh, optimistic October has come to an end, Matt. But Flyers, they they knew. They knew we were coming. They knew. They were like, oh, we got to fix this. They uh, get a big win against the Devils in a shootout. And uh, Joel Farabee scores his first goal uh, in the NHL, finally. Nobody was off sides. And uh, he he locks that one down. He was getting into a bunch of fights, too, last night as uh, I was watching the game. He was trying to get into any scrap possible. Uh, there were quite a few during uh, you know the first two periods of that game. And uh, I was I was hanging out with our boy OTB Herm, and uh, he's like, who is that trying to fight? And then they kind of zoom in, and it's 49 Joel Farabee. He was like, Farabee's not a fighter. And, uh, you know, he's like wiping off his visor and, you know, just trying to, you know, be part of the team. And Flyers come away with a big win against their, uh, their rivals, the New Jersey Devils. Wayne Simmons scores uh, against the Flyers. And uh, I thought a hilarious tweet from our former host, Brooke Destra, said, I think it's in every single former Flyers player's contract that they have to score a goal against us. It does always feel that way. Um, great goal by Couture in the, yes. the shootout. With one uh, arm. That was like, I always think of that as the Forsberg, uh, the one that he did for Sweden. I don't, like, that's just my mind. I'm mm-hmm. sure that's not totally accurate. But even Carter Hart had a, you know, he only had to make the last save really, one hit off the uh, the bar. But good performance from him and, you know, Flyers have had not great luck in shootouts 
or it's very just, on brand just very performances i guess even um so that's a good part of this is you know having that opportunity and um you know taking it to to kind of take win for yourself and uh you know i call them spineless i don't take <laughs> I, I don't take it back um but this was like I will say this is the type of response that you want to see from this team. You know, again, uh, you don't you don't want to say like gut check or anything like that because I don't. It's it's November, like come right. on. But you don't want to see you know bouncing back from a loss like that with uh, with again you know a, a win that I think will inspire some confidence in the team and and even the fans a little bit. I think is a is a good win all around. And I think it was a big boost for Carter Hart too because yeah. you know like you said coming from that horrendous loss to the Penguins where he's back in net for the first time after Brian Elliott started a couple games back-to-back for him to go out there. It wasn't, you know, his best overall performance, but he was able to get the job done, and that's what you want to see from a guy who is as young as Carter Hart. Like, a lot of people trying to turn on him, saying, you know, know, he's not the guy. Like, come on, he's he's 21, and he's playing in the NHL. Give the kid some slack. Give him some credit. As a goalie, too, which is like, you know, high pressure and... um, One of the most difficult positions to play in all of sports. Yeah. So... Hats off to Carter Hart for doing his Good bounce uh, back for him. His bounce back performance there. Um you know, we'll see what happens with the Flyers moving forward. You know, they're they've been a little streaky to start the season. Very on brand to start ever the past decade. <laughs> but uh you know, we'll see what happens and uh we'll we'll always keep you guys updated on that. But Matt, Hell on Earth has been finally executed. Nationals won the World Dude, Series. I like I was really hoping we were just not gonna talk about this. <laughs> Uh, baseball's over. What sport is that? <laughs> I can't wait for Philly to get a baseball team, dude. It's a surprise, you know. Like America's pastime, we've never had a team. That's weird. Uh, hell on earth has finally come down, but uh, you know, there's nothing to say. Like, yeah. there's nothing to say. There's yeah. nothing to make me happy about this. Yeah. They actually no. The only thing that makes me happy about this is like just the disgusting display from the Astros front office mostly and um, that a certain player will not be receiving a ring is like the only fact and I when when I say only consolation I mean it is the only shred of positivity I can drag out of this people don't realize like I saw so many you know Phillies fans on Twitter saying like they were kind of unfazed by this people don't realize you and I hate the Nationals Uh, there is like honestly there are very few teams in There between. are very few American sports teams that I hate more than the Washington Nationals. Yes. They are disgusting. They are a stolen franchise. I hate their fans because they're all fair weather. They're DC implants. Every single one of them, they suck. They're annoying. I hate the Harper stuff. I get it. You know what? If I was their fan too, I'd be throwing it in Harper's face and the fan, and Philly fans' faces too. But I hate like the obsession with Bryce yes. Harper. It is like beyond just like, again... Hands up, I would be doing very similar type of stuff. But, you know, like, they're going to games and they're making signs that they're still about Harper. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like, you got to get It's been over almost this. a year, guys. Listen, like, you just won a World Series. Like, you know what? Honestly, if I just won the World Series, like, the last team. I would not. If the Phillies were in the shoes, the last team I would be thinking about is the Washington Nationals. Yeah. I would be just instead, like, crying. <laughs> you know, like. Like, you but, just won your first World Series as a franchise, and you're worried about a player who left in free agency because he got paid and money was not deferred to him until he was, you know, 97 years old. Yeah. Like, grow up. And Nationals fans suck. Like, I tweeted, the Nationals 
are the baseball version of the Dallas Cowboys for me. Like, over the years of this Phillies rebuild... Except the Cowboys had actual history. Right. The Cowboys at least have that. They have I'll actual history and pedigree to, to at least build themselves up on. And you know what? Like, they've been around. They didn't have to steal their franchise from somewhere else. By the way, everyone, everyone always gets on, like, the Thunder especially for stealing uh, their franchise. Like... Remember the Expos? That was the team when I was a kid. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like Everything about the Nationals is just, like... Disgusting. It's very fabricated. Yes. Like, just all of it yes. is just, like, manufactured, processed crap. And I hate it. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I actually give more respect to the Braves, who are just kind of, in a way, equally as disgusting as, like, mm-hmm. a franchise to me. At least the Braves, again, like, have, like, a history to rely on. Not that it's a great history or a charming one, but, you know, you can point to a time where it's like, wow, like, those Braves teams in the 90s. Special stuff. Yes. It's like, the Nationals is like, mm, no thanks. Yeah, they are terrible. Disgusting. Um, but funny Braves joke. Only you know the team that hasn't been to uh, you know the World Series most recently. Atlanta Braves. I can't like the thing is is like I want to laugh at the joke, but like it's just I can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> if if we weren't talking just talking about how the Nationals won the World Series, I'd laugh. But it's like at least like, we won one this century. Um, yeah, but like, how long are we gonna say that? Like, you know, like this is this hopefully is, not too much longer. Hopefully, but I'm just saying, like, I I don't want this to turn into a well, 2008, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Like, okay, 2008 is already pretty far away. It's already been a decade. So also, uh, I don't know if you saw Petty Bryce on his uh, Instagram story with the fan with Kayla and crew. Uh, he put the uh, a little caption on a picture of them. I think they were in their car, and it said uh, "rent free." Quote crew spelled like his son's name uh which i thought was pretty hilarious um but i think the biggest takeaway is that uh garrett cole is absolutely 110 percent leaving houston he uh did his press conference after the game where he did not get into pitch because aj hinch pulled a full-blown buck show walter on him what the hell was that stupid and I'll, i'll get into some quotes i saw from that too but uh garrett cole comes out in a boris corporation hat (coughs) <coughs> they <coughs> arguably, you know, they're not sold anywhere. But if they were for sale, I'd probably buy one. Because not only that, but I believe one of the addresses for Boris Corp is uh, Citizens Bank Way. <laughs> <laughs> that is one Citizens one Bank Citizens Way. One Citizens Bank Way. Sorry. Uh, to be specific, but Garrett Cole said, you know, I'm not a, a employee of the team, so I'm just answering questions for myself. Oh, Cold, just full blown. And then he goes to. Uh, Pedro Martinez, uh, you know, a couple games before Game 7, and uh, they were talking about, you know, impending free agency, and he legit said, you know, guys like you paved the way for me to get to free agency here, and, you know, I hope to make you proud. He is going wherever the most money is. So, John Middleton, break out the blank checks. Let him sign three of them. If he wants the Liberty Bell, if he wants to crack it again, let him do it. Whatever, like, whatever it takes. He gets to run through the art museum and just what, it, like, take anything off the wall. Free whatever. passes to Franklin Institute, Constitution Center. Let him take a duck boat. I like whatever he wants, wants. Part ownership of the team. Yeah, give it to him. Like whatever it takes because Phillies team needs him. And what whatever happens, the three big soon to be free agents, whether it's Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, who a lot of people still think is going to opt out. Uh, and then Anthony Rendon, they're all Scott Boris clients. And Scott Boris, the one thing I'll give John Middleton credit for, 
He's built a very good relationship with Scott Boris over the past couple years, and Scott Boris wants Bryce Harper to win a World Series more than any of his other clients, so he is going to shuttle at least one of those guys to the Phillies, in my opinion, and Scott Boris is going to dictate a lot that goes on during this free agency period, and it's all going to start with those three. I mean, I feel like... uh... I feel like what we we said is just going to keep ringing true. Like, break out the checkbook for these guys. That's that's what you're going to have to do. Because, you, you know, it's not as if Garrett Cole is flying under the radar here. Like, everyone wants him. Yankees are going to go big on him. Uh, who knows? Probably even both L.A. teams yep. will go big on him. Especially the Angels. Yeah, you, you know, know, like... Joe Madden's there. And- like, every, everyone is going to want this guy, and it is going to be... Whoever gets him is going to overpay for him. Like absolutely, it's it's, um, it's just a foregone conclusion. It's it's very very similar to Bryce, honestly. In that, like you know, like yes, Garrett Cole is like I think better relative terms than, than Bryce is as a player, right? But um, you you know that like just the nature of where teams are, especially with pitching, like he's he's gonna get overpaid. But you, like, it's I, well worth it. You want to be the team that overpays him, and he's arguably the best pitcher on the planet right now. Like, yeah, I mean, I another, there's very few. Pitchers. By the way, another guy who could defect from the Nationals. <laughs> Why not, Steven Strasburg? Why not? Just br- just bring them all. Anthony Rendon. That's two guys right there. You know, there's a lot of speculation that Stras could go out west, go back to the Padres, or go to the Padres and be back in San Diego, um, which would be. Kind of weird. I don't remember the last time that two big-profile free agents signed with the two big-profile teams that they did back-to-back seasons because, say, a Garrett Cole signs with the Phillies and Straz goes to the Padres, you know, that's back-to-back seasons that both of those franchises are involved with the two big-name free agents, uh, whether it's position players or pitchers now. Um, I can't even remember the last time that would have happened, but... That'd be very interesting to see because then the Padres are set up with a really good rotation that's young. I'm guessing Liverpool just did something. Uh, yeah, like 94th minute winner. There we go. <laughs> uh, wow. But it'll be this this offseason, like we've said, is more important than last offseason. I think it's going to be a lot more interesting, a lot more storylines, and uh, it's going to be a Scott Boris offseason. Once again, if I could get real analogous here, uh, last season was the space shuttle launch into space. Now, rocket science is difficult, but of all the things to do, getting the thing into outer space isn't that hard. We are now orbiting the moon. There we go. And we're going to have to land that lander as precisely as we can, or everyone's going to die, <laughs> including myself. Fair enough. Um, the margin for error is so much slimmer now. Like, you have to get it right. Again, even. If we overpay, whatever. Like, we've overpaid for bad players and, and like, kind of, like, fringe, you know, almost, like, what you mm-hmm. would call role guys. Um, you know, we just saw Pat Neshek isn't going to be back. See ya. Never again. Thank you. Um, you know, like, this is, again, like, if, if you're paying too much for the Garrett Coles and Rendones of the world, like, so be it. You know, you, you make your peace. But you, like... Like you said, this is more important in that regard, in that you now like you have to you have to progress forward, and you've already changed up what is, like we've said, the easiest thing to change, which is your coaching, because that just requires like finding a new face. Whereas if you're changing front office members, which for sitting here next November and the season has gone bad, that's gonna have to be the discussion, and that's a lot harder because you're not only replacing, you know, you, you you're you have to reshape an organizational philosophy when you do something like that. Like if you're hiring someone new and it probably isn't just one person either, 
you you have to be making kind of broader more artistic almost changes and that's that's going to be interesting for for the Phillies this year is this year, it's all. I think it's all about just paying the money. Yes. And it was kind of the same last year. But now um, it's even more. But now it's like, listen, like if John Middleton is serious, he's going to pay the money. And, you know, we could get beat to these guys just because maybe they, you know, and I, I don't know that I'd necessarily blame either, like any of them really for choosing, say, the Yankees, just because that's also like going to get paid and it's also a great team. So what can you really do? But, you know, if it comes down to we weren't ready to pay them, that's where... Uh, that's where I'd be pissed off. Personally. I totally agree. And, uh, you know, the off season gets underway in a couple days. You know, Steven Strasburg has uh, just, I think he has until Monday or Tuesday to announce if he is going to opt out of his contract. Oh, which he's got it. He's got to go get the bag. He's got to world series MVP now. And especially with, you know, everyone kind of forgets his injury history too. Like he's not exactly been like, this was one of his more dominant seasons yeah. of his entire career. Like you like, even just regular season performance aside, like you'd probably want to opt out. Like, dude, you your stock is, I think his stock has not been this high since he was in college when yeah. everyone was like, like Steven Strasburg was like a phenomenon. Like he was one of the most high, people talk about Bryce, and like Strasburg was one of the most highly touted college dude, prospects. He, he ever. had people following him. Like this was like kind of like I think like the heyday of Sports Center was like right before social media really took over a lot of the stuff they did, but like. He was followed everywhere. Like it, it was like nonstop coverage about him. And when he had his injury struggles, like early in his career, like getting shut down, like that was huge. And he's sort of fallen away from that. And he's been like a still a very good pitcher. It's not like he's had a bad career by any. And I think it's World helped MVP, since but. Max Scherzer went to DC. It kind of took a lot of pressure off of him to be and like and mentorship too. Right. You know? He was because Strasburg was given, I think, a rough. Chop of it just because he was kind of thrown in as to be like honestly the savior of the Nationals. Like, mm-hmm. that was like when like they were really trying to turn the tide and, be, and a, be a really competitive team. And it's like that's a, just a lot to ask of anyone. So, yeah, um, if, if we see, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him as a free agent just because I think you, go get the money. Like, yeah. you, you could. You could get his contract right now. He's got four years, a hundred million dollars left, and you see what players are getting now. Plus, you just got the World Series MVP, so you've got that on your resume to kind of ship the teams. He's he's definitely going to opt out, and you know, maybe he stays away from that uh, deferred money too that the Nationals typically offer. Uh, it'll be really interesting. A lot of people saying he's going to pull a Kawhi, win a championship, and then uh, go to his hometown. They're saying the same thing about Anthony Rendon. I don't know where he would fit in with the Houston Astros. Uh, whether it's, you know, you move him to first base or something like that, and Gurriel becomes your DH. But a lot of people speculating Anthony Rendon's going to go to Houston. I just don't see the fit. I mean, I would hate that because that's like, you want to talk about a loaded team. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Unbelievable. It does upset me just to see, like, these other teams that are just like, like, I'm sorry, but, like, you know, I know that the Phillies can get there, but it's going to take big moves this offseason. It's just like, they, I look at, especially their rotations, I'm just like, Jesus, like we are behind. Oh, we are like light years behind. We are behind these guys, like a lot. <laughs> I don't think position players, it's as big of a gap. There is one, but like the pitching, especially, I'm just like, Jesus, we have our work cut out yes. for us. Phillies actually did claim a guy who throws 100 miles per hour, though, off of waivers uh, this week. Robert Stock from the San Diego Padres, uh, high velocity guy. Going to come in. Could be, you know, a ceiling of a, a seventh, eighth inning guy per Jack Fritz. And, uh, you know, at least the Phillies are 
recognizing that they need speed from their uh, their bullpen arms, and then um, you know it's going to be super interesting to see what happens uh, this off season. So make sure you are following us on Twitter at Underground PHI to keep up to date with all of your Philadelphia sports news, notes, info, and memes, and of course t-shirt designs from our boys and gals at design tree uh, and use that promo code hoodie season for $15 off your purchase of $50 or more. And then make sure you subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, leave those five star ratings and reviews. Let us know, you know what you think of this Sixer season so far, your thoughts on the fight, your thoughts on the peacemaker uh, nickname or anything else with the big iron on his hip, the big <laughs> iron on his hip. <laughs> That's all I've been thinking of. Amazing. Uh, you know, let us know what you think about Jordan Howard potentially getting extended. Uh, this Phillies offseason, the Flyers, anything. You can leave it in those Apple Podcast reviews. And then you can also check us out podcast-wise if you don't have an iPhone on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app. You can follow and stream us on iHeartRadio. And you can also subscribe to us on the Radio.com app. Very excited to be on Radio.com, one of the biggest up-and-coming platforms for podcasts out there. So uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to us there. And uh, we will be back on Wednesday, hopefully talking about some more undefeated Sixers. We'll see what happens tonight against Portland. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking about an Eagles win going into the bye week. But until then, this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 181, brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.